0: It's time for Drive-By Theology with Dr. Steve Lawson and Todd Friel. You have been saved. You are being saved. And you are going to be saved. Welcome to Lecture 26 of Drive-By Theology. On to the doctrine of perseverance. You are going to... Persevere, you are going to make it. This is a monstrously big encouragement in your Christian life, knowing that he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. You're going to get there. Should you be striving? Yep. Should you be straining? Uh-huh. But it is not based on your works. It is based on his. You couldn't get yourself saved. You can't keep yourself saved. You can't get yourself glorified. But he does. He is and he will. You have God's word on it. Before we tackle the doctrine of perseverance, we want to make crystal clear categories in our doctrine of soteriology, the doctrine of salvation. As we were talking about sanctification, we use the term definitive sanctification. You have been declared righteous. You are definitively, positionally actually sanctified by God. And you heard many, many verses like 1 Corinthians 6, 11, 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 5, that you are saints. Having said that, you are definitively sanctified. You are justified. You are righteous. Then you begin the process of Progressive sanctification, 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 5. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, and then a list of things that you shouldn't be doing. That is that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passion like unsaved people. And that begins the battle of growing in holiness. And it is imperative
1: that you keep your columns clear. 1 Thessalonians three twelve, And may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all people, just as we also do for you, so that he may establish your hearts without blame in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints.
0: Philippians 2, 12 through 13 says that we are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. So clearly, Steve, we're supposed to be working. But then the very right after the semicolon, for it is God who is at work in you. Now that's that little synergism term you used.
1: Yes, there are two active agents. It is not only God, but also us working in partnership together in the pursuit of holiness. God works it in, we work it out.
0: We are participating in sanctification. 1 Peter 1, 15 through 16, Hebrews 12, 14, 1 Peter 2, 2, 2, Peter three eighteen, Romans eight thirteen. we are to put to death the deeds of the body. We are participating with the Holy Spirit in sanctification.
1: Colossians 3, 5, therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed. It's often translated to put to death or to mortify these deeds. In Galatians 5, 16, "'But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another.' so that you may not do the things that you please.
0: And it is a process. We have victories. We stumble. We have victories. Philippians 3, 13 through 14. Brethren, said Paul, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do know, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward— To what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And it's reiterated in 1 John 1 8 through 10, 1 John 2 1, Romans 8 13, Colossians 3 5 8 through 10, and 2 Peter 1 5 through 10. These are all verses that make it very clear that we are to be working, striving, mortifying, pressing on toward holiness even though we definitively are now the reason it's important that we remember our categories and we remember these clearly as we move forward to the theology of glorification we need to remember we're not yet there we are not yet perfect and yet i have met christians who think
1: they are that is known as the erroneous teaching of perfectionism, that a believer in this life can reach a level of maturity whereby they no longer sin.
0: Now, what, what verse might they use to support that idea?
1: Uh, 1 John 3, 6 and following, no one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has seen him or knows okay,
0: him. Okay, well, I'm just going to interrupt you. That is. That seems really definitive. If I sin, I don't know God. What am I missing?
1: Well, the the verb sins is in the present tense. No one who abides in him continually practices sin is what this is actually saying. He's talking about a lifestyle, habitual pattern of one's life, not the perfection of one's life.
0: Okay, so the Greek language is really instructive here. This is an ongoing lifestyle of sin that means you're of the devil, you plan it, you plot it, you love it, you repeat it, wash, rinse, repeat. that's a sign you're of the devil, but a Christian sins, and we know that because we even see Paul struggling, I want to, but I don't do what I'm supposed to do. So Christians sin, they just don't love it and live in it. Correct. Perfectionism needs to go flying out the window.
1: Exactly. It is an erroneous teaching that needs to be shredded
0: So I'm not perfect. Todd, that's really obvious, but I'm striving for that, working with the Holy Spirit synergistically until I am glorified. Now, has God provided for me any tools that I can use to grow in holiness?
1: Yes, Todd, these are known as the means of grace, uh, those channels by which God works to promote our pursuit of holiness. These means of grace are the Word of God, Obedience to the word, prayer, worship, the Lord's Supper, discipline, and fellowship.
0: Are those found in the Bible any place? They are. Acts chapter 2 specifically, 42, the early church, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, so they were being taught, they were hearing sermons, and continually, that's a key word, and continually listening to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, We need to note, fellowship is not getting together to talk about the football game. Correct. It's talking about Jesus. It's
1: holding in common the Lord Jesus Christ.
0: To the breaking of bread and to prayer. Now, the Lord's Supper was mentioned in there. Some people think means of grace means it actually works something. It does something, dare I say, mystical. For instance, it forgives your sins. How rightly do we understand the means of grace of the Lord's Supper how it grows me in sanctification.
1: It is a call to look back to the death of Christ and Him crucified and to reflect upon His sin-bearing death on my behalf, to offer thanks to God and to worship God for this perfect atonement, to examine myself and to confess my sin to God, that very sin that was laid upon the Lord Jesus Christ, and to be uh, and to be humbling myself under the lordship of Christ as he is now seated at the right hand of God the Father. Each
0: one of these means of grace centers around one thing, thinking about Jesus. Yes. Thinking about the gospel, thinking about what God has done through Jesus Christ. So when we hear sermons, when we're obedient, we're thinking about what he has done for me, what I want to do for him, prayer, prayer, We talk to our mediator who brings our prayers to the Father. Worship should be centering around Jesus. The Lord's Supper, could I toss baptism in there as a means of grace?
1: I think we can look back at one's baptism and draw encouragement that there has been a decisive confession of my faith in Christ. So in that sense, it could.
0: What What about watching somebody's baptism? When somebody gets baptized and we hear that this is a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, it's a means of growing in holiness because I'm focusing on him.
1: Yes, it is a great encouragement to our faith to hear the testimony of someone when they're baptized. It has a resounding yes in our own heart.
0: The word fellowship we talked about, but also discipline. There's two aspects of discipline. Discipline would be constantly hearing preaching and teaching, but also it would be getting disciplined because you're straying. That focuses too on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, why we shouldn't be sinning, All of these means of grace are the tools that God has given to us so that we can grow in holiness. The column, definitive sanctification, progressive sanctification, means of grace to accomplish that progressive sanctification. We want to make sure that we understand those as we enter into the doctrine of perseverance, that we have been justified We're going to be glorified, but this time in between where we are being progressively sanctified, we are being preserved. What is the doctrine of perseverance?
1: It is that he who began a good work in you shall perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. There are really two elements in the perseverance of the saints. One is the end, that we are eternally secure in Christ. We can never fall out of grace. But the other aspect is, throughout our Christian lives, there will be an ongoing pursuit of godliness as we will choose to obey the Word of God.
0: Get ready for this one, Dr. Metaphor. We're like a steam engine. Perseverance is related to progressive sanctification, just like a steam engine must continue to have coal fed into its stove and stay on the tracks headed toward its final destination. How you like that one? I love it. Love it. So they're they're related and yet they're not the same thing. Does my working out my salvation, progressing in sanctification, does that
1: keep me saved? It doesn't keep you saved. It is really the outworking of what God has worked into your life.
0: So God is preserving me and He is creating these works in me, but the works in me that I am actually doing by the power of the Holy Spirit are not keeping me saved.
1: No, it is God who is keeping you saved. And
0: yet it is our duty to persevere. Correct. So that's why understanding our columns, I think, is so important, because we'll see a lot of confusion. Well, if if I'm not doing good stuff, then God's not going to keep loving me.
1: Or to use the metaphor that you used earlier, if we don't keep these columns in place in our mind— The train will leave the track, at least as it relates to our thinking.
0: Yeah, but not actually. Correct. Because if you are saved, the doctrine of perseverance says you're always going to be saved. Your soul is glory bound. And again, you can ricochet into the wrong ditch here, but just because I don't feel like I'm saved doesn't necessarily mean I'm not saved. Correct. Watching ditches, making sure your columns are straight. And this is one of the benefits of systematic theology If I'm finding myself thinking, feeling in a way that I probably shouldn't, I might want to be looking at another system, another column, another category, because chances are I'm getting off track inside of this system because I am not kept on the guardrails by the other systems.
1: Our feelings should follow our faith in the facts of this theology. The gift
0: of perseverance. Sometimes you will hear people use the term once saved, always saved. John six thirty seven through 40, All that the Father gives me, said Jesus, will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of the one who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that all that he has given me I lose nothing. This is so comforting. You could not put yourself into the hands of Jesus and you
1: can't take yourself out. That is correct. And not only are we in the hands of Jesus, we're also in the hands of the Father and sealed by the Holy Spirit. And that
0: we're sealed. You can't break the seal. No. John ten twenty seven through 21, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. When when you go back to the doctrine of immutability, imagine God declaring, you're righteous, you are sanctified, you are a saint. Well, not so much anymore. I've changed my (laughs) mind. It it would violate the doctrine of immutability.
1: Romans 5, 9 says, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life.
0: You want to arm wrestle over this next verse? Because this is one of my favorites. I I love preaching Romans 8. Go 35. for it. Wow, you're a giver. Who will separate us from the love of Christ to make sure nothing is missed, will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. But in all of, in fact, I will, can I add to this list? Because this is a list that I think is intended to say nothing, nothing can separate. Okay, your parents can't separate you from the love of God. An in-law who says, oh, you become one of those. They can't separate you from the love of God. Your nattering conscience, that can't separate you from the love of God. The devil himself cannot separate you from the love of God. But in all of these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. You see, this means I can start up a business or I can become the best boxer. Oh, I'm sorry. That's how people use that. No, we are conquerors over sin and death. Through him who loved us, for I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He is going to see to it that you persevere, and there is nobody who can change that. That's why I like to do. it. Makes me happy. All right, what else you got?
1: Uh, Romans eight twenty nine. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. Philippians 1, 6, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. It's not a matter of us holding on to him. It's a matter of him holding on to us.
0: Now, I've got a verse that maybe hints that, well, could I possibly blow it? 1 Corinthians fifteen one through 2. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which you also stand, by which you also are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Walk me through that verse, having heard all of these really clear verses that nothing can separate me from the love of God.
1: What this is saying is if you have truly believed in Jesus Christ with genuine, authentic, saving faith, you will hold fast the word which was preached to you. If you are not holding fast throughout extended, lengthy time in your life, there is question whether you have believed in vain.
0: So we need to use Scripture to interpret scripture. correct. Don't let somebody pull one of these verses out, clobber you over the head and say, aha, there is no perseverance of the saints. You say, aha, the analogy of faith, scripture interprets scripture. So if they use Hebrews 3, 6, Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are, if we hold fast our confidence and the boast of our hope firm until the end. Don't read that verse alone. That is why we put all of the verses regarding perseverance into a column so that we can harmonize them and make sure that they all make sense without contradicting one another because we go back to bibliology, the unity of the scripture.
1: True saving faith will persevere unto the end. It is the gift of God. We could put it this way. The faith that fizzles before the finish had a flaw from the first, meaning it was not true saving faith, but authentic God-given faith will persevere to the end.
0: That was more alliteration than Adrian Rogers ever used. (laughs) So let us make sure that we keep all of these columns straight. Perseverance in the faith is given by God. It is promised and it is guaranteed But it is also a duty that we must persevere. And if we neglect to do that, it will result in our failure to obtain salvation because we were never put on the tracks in the first place. Those who went out from among us demonstrate that they were never with us. This balanced understanding of the doctrine of perseverance should cause you to be mm, sober-minded and yet Rejoicing. This was Lecture 26 of Dry-By Theology.